Well, good morning, everyone. Um, great to be back here from uh, Jamaica. I'm actually feeling pretty sick, but uh, outside of that, it was a great trip. Um, just some prayer requests for you for Jamaica. We went there and um, working with a brother, Calvin Cowell, who's been, he used to live in New Jersey, and he's been over there. He's originally from Jamaica, so he's been back there living since his wife passed away, and he's been working with the assemblies there. Where we were working, there were four assemblies in the area. Um, In a word, they're kind of in tough places, I would say. Uh, Just the the main thing is teaching, really. Um, But they have to have a heart open to be taught and seem to sense from my perspective that that probably wasn't the case for a couple of them anyway. But just pray for them. Pray for all the seed sown. There was lots of seed sown, uh, not just around the various towns, but we went into different marketplaces, did some sketchboard. And um, it's amazing how open the, the people are there to the gospel. It's not quite as open as Africa, but it's pretty close. I had, uh, well, to give you one example, we were, we were went to... It was right in the middle of the market, so I thought, hey, this is this would be a good spot for a sketchboard. So I asked the one guy who's Rastafarian, I said, hey, is it okay to set up here? He goes, oh, yeah, man, go ahead, you know. So so I set up there, and um, I started to preach, but there was such, you know, there was a lot of traffic flow. So, I mean, I'm, I'm shouting as loud as I can to preach. And there was a table across from us with the bunch of people before I know it she was running over there and giving me a megaphone <laughs> so so I go oh okay well thank you <laughs> so she's oh yeah you preach you preach you know now, none of them are saved but they're at least open to the word of God and I would say that probably 90% from what I saw are God fearing and um, it's just that extra little kick though isn't it to try and show someone that look it's not by works of righteousness that we can do it's a gift and I don't know, it, I find it trying and, uh, and hard because often they just, they'll, they'll be able to even reiterate it back to you but still be dead in their sins. They just don't acknowledge the Lord in that way. So anyway, pray for them. Pray for these towns, Albertstown, Sawyer's Retirement, and, and um, oh, what was the other one? Uh, Johnson Town. Or Jackson Town. So those are the four that we were working with. We also did go out to the coast where um, Brother Ebanks has a place out there. It was a great, nice place to go to. And we did see a couple other assemblies out there. Uh, didn't really work with them, but probably if we did go back, we might do that. But just pray for Jamaica. <clears throat> pray for all the seed sown. All right, this morning we're going to look at the book of James in chapter 3. And um, this is probably as unprepared as I've ever been to speak, so sorry about that. But uh, I think I got this chick V virus there. It just kind of nailed me the last couple days, and I've been scratching myself to to bits. (laughs) But let's look at James chapter 3. And uh, maybe we'll just have another just quick word of prayer. Lord, we do want to thank You so much for Your goodness. We want to thank You for Your love to us. And Lord, um, we would pray for Jamaica. We would pray for those assemblies mentioned. Pray for uh, uh, Brother Calvin. 
pray for Mike DeLeon as he looks to go there, Lord, that you would give him guidance. That, um, again, it's so difficult to move into areas where there's already work that's gone astray, really, in a lot of ways. Just so pray for wisdom for him and guidance for him and Melissa and their kids. And so we just commit it all to you. And uh, commit this time now to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, let's read the first 12 verses of James chapter 3. If nothing else, we'll get a blessing from reading the Word of God. My brethren, be not masters or teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be great, be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, wherever the governor lists. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold how great a master, sorry, great a matter, a little fire kindles. And the, fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body, and sets on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and has been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith... Curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Does a a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both uh, yield salt water and fresh. The Lord will bless his word. Well, James is a very practical book, isn't it? As you start going through it, um, you know, you see a lot of things. You see this idea of perfection, really, from chapter 1 through. I think it's mentioned a few times. But it's not speaking about you becoming perfect. Um, I remember one day, and sometimes that's a thought of people, that they can become perfect, you know. You're never going to become perfect. You know, the Scripture says, as sparks fly upwards, so man is prone to sin. I remember I was in McDonald's and there was a guy there that believed that he was, you know, that he had sinless perfection. And so I started talking to him. He says, oh, yes, ever since I've been born again, I'm perfect. And I said, really? Okay. And so we started talking a little bit. I started to challenge him. I said, well, have you ever read 1 John? If we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. You know, and as I was saying that, he started getting angry. And he started getting really angry. I said, you're sinning right now. (laughs) He was ready to punch me, you know. But uh, so it's not really saying that when we read this idea of perfection, but it's going on to maturity. It's really striving for it. And really, that's the Christian life, isn't it? Our desire should be more like the Lord Jesus. I mean, that's what he's doing in our lives. He's conforming us to the image of his son. Uh, Sometimes it takes sickness. Sometimes it takes other things that will happen in our lives. But ultimately, he's trying to make us like the Lord. And uh, we see in James, there's quite a bit of, of this idea. And of course, this section is just dealing with the tongue. And uh, it's interesting that uh, when you go to speak on a subject, um, 
like I was going to speak on, or I was just looking at this very briefly, knowing that it's about speaking or speaking out of place, and kind of the Lord caught me out on that right there at one of the meetings. And uh, what had happened in, in, in the meeting was pretty... It was at the Lord's Supper, and there was a lady that literally screamed through most of the Lord's Supper. Uh, and then at one point, it seemed to me that she was slain in the Spirit. So I, at that point, I just, I'd had enough. And I walked out and left. And I mentioned to the brother, I go, do you really think this is of God? Like it was beyond... Uh, but afterwards, you know, I kind of felt bad that I said something to him. And, um, and this portion really reminded me of that in James chapter 3. Uh, you know, there could have been other ways that I could have dealt with it. Even though it was, <laughs> it was different. Let me put it that way. But um, the interesting thing was, uh, he said that the woman was kind of uh, had had a stroke, and she's not able to really talk. She just sort of screams. Although for the next meeting, she seemed to be fairly quiet. So I'm not exactly sure about that. But um, but this idea of not having all the facts and jumping to conclusions, we do that, don't we? I gave as an illustration, I said, you know, um, I was at the bottle depot one day and I was there with Jerry and we were putting all the bottles there and lo and behold, I looked over there and there's one of the elders at my church, Dave Furch. And I looked around Dave and man, he had bottles of wine and whiskey and man, he had all kinds of them all over the place. Now, if we just say that, what happens? We might have a different thought of what, you know, maybe this guy's got a problem drinking or whatever. And probably not the greatest in that context, right? But unknown, without all the facts, we come to the wrong conclusion. Now, Dave actually doesn't drink at all. And um, what he was doing is he'd pick up all the garbage around the various places, cleaning up as he went, and every bottle that he got, he would bring back to the bottle depot. But, you know, when we don't have the facts, sometimes we're quick to jump ahead, right? And we're going to see this whole topic of the tongue. It's often like that. We just speak when we should be quiet. And I always marvel at those guys who are able to bridle their tongue, right? That are able to just not say anything. Or when they do speak, everybody kind of goes, oh, he's speaking or she's speaking. It must be important, right? And I think we should be more like that. Um, Well, let's look at uh, some of these. You know, in chapter 1, he shows us the true, genuine faith. What does it do? Well, it's going to produce good works, doesn't it? Um, It it just has to do that. We see a few things here. Uh, Verse 26, it says, If any man among you seems to be religious and bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. So we see it's, and often the tongue is in a negative tone in Scripture. There is ways that you can lift someone up and there's ways you can tear them down. You know, you could say, um, oh, well, for instance, we often do something like this. You know, we go on and I talk how great Brother Malcolm is and, you know, talk about all his attributes. And then at the end of it, I go, but did you know that Malcolm did this or, or whatever? And all of a sudden the whole thing changes, right? But you could also reverse that. And that's what we need to do is that you could talk about uh, so-and-so, and you say, well, he did do this, but man, he's a great brother. He really loves the Lord. There's a big difference. So the tongue can be used for two different things. 
So in chapter 1, like I say, you deal with this, this topic of really um, being doers of the Word and not hearers only. And this is often the case. And you get people asking you, uh, verse 22, but be you doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. Right? He goes on to say that uh, for if any be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in glass or in a mirror. And he forgets what he's like. In chapter 2, you see the subject of what true faith is. And this is an interesting chapter here. And often, this is the one that the cults often go to. Uh, You know, faith without works is dead. And really, the result here is, well, true faith will manifest itself in works. It just does, right? It's a natural thing. But um, they'll often use this. And and you look here, let's just look at a few verses here just to have this. uh, Where is it? Verse... 20 down, I guess. But will you know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Right? And then it goes on to say, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son on the altar? Now it says, See you how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And you'd almost think there that he's saying that Abraham was justified or was made right with God by sacrificing his son. Well, let's read the next verse. It says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham what? Believe God, and it was imputed or uh, reckoned or counted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Well, that's a quote back into Genesis 15, right? God brings him out, shows him all the stars in the sky, and says, your descendants are going to be like those stars. You know, and he didn't sit there and go like, dude, I'm 80 years old. Like, have a look, you know. He just simply believed God. And this is the idea of what true faith is. It means to take God at his word, to put their confidence in it. It's the same thing with Rahab. What was it, the works that they did? She didn't do any works. I mean, she tied a scarlet cord on her house, but she did that out of fear of God because she knew that God was real. And she believed. And so this is the idea. So true faith produces works. Now, we get into chapter 3. This is the topic that we're supposed to look at, the the taming of the tongue. And um, again, they they all flow into that idea, though. We want to see that, that if you're a child of God, hopefully you're getting closer to the Lord Jesus. You're manifesting Him in your life. You're, you're better than you were last year. I mean, think of it, um, well, it's like anything. You don't want to be going backwards. You want to be going forward, don't you? And often, I remember a friend of mine, his name was uh, Murdy Getty. He was a real gospel preacher. And, you know, he was talking about um, uh, this, this whole concept of backsliding. He says there's no such a thing as a backslider. He says there's slack abiders. You know, and I think we're often like that, is that we just sort of coast along rather than trying to grow in the things of God, looking at some of those areas that we're not good at and trying to change some of them. Now in chapter 3, verse 1, My brethren, be not masters knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. And the, the idea for masters here is teachers. And you know, God speaks an awful lot in the Scripture about teaching or false teaching. And we've got to be really, really careful when, it, when we're dealing with teaching. Uh, like I say, I'm over there in Jamaica, for instance, I just see the, the result of poor teaching. 
Now those guys all, when I was preaching there, they knew the Word of God. I would talk about different stories and different things in the Scripture, and they knew that. And so it tells me that they know the Word of God, but they're not able to place it. I mean, you think of so often we do this in life, you know. If I got a group of 100 people and I said, you know, for God so loved the world that He gave, most of them can say it, right? His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life, right? Who is He talking to? I said that to a group of, and they all sort of knew the Bible. I said, well, who is He talking to? You know, one lady finally said, well, He's talking to us. I said, well, you can make the application to you, but He is actually talking to someone. Who is He talking to? They didn't know because he didn't know the context, right? And often this is part of the problem within teaching is we're not looking at the context and what it's revealing. We're looking at part of it where we get something and we pull it out of it, which is what a lot of people do, and which leads then to false teaching. And so in that context there, I said, well, he's talking to Nicodemus. He's having a, a discussion with them. I said, you need to read the whole portion to see what he's talking about. But let's look at this. So he says here, Be not many teachers knowing that we should receive the greater condemnation. Then he says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. And that, like I say, that word perfect, I think, is mentioned five times up to that point. It's kind of a bit of a theme through here. And able also to bridle the whole body. Now he's not saying that you're going to be perfect, okay? Because no one's perfect. But the idea is we should be striving to maturity. We should be looking for that. We should be trying to be better as we go along. Then he goes into verse 3 here. Um, he starts to give us some descriptions of what a tongue is like. And he says, Behold, we put... Um, well, just on that, on verse 2 there again, this, this idea is a perfect man. He's able to bridle the whole body. This is one of the reasons why, for instance, for an elder, he has to have self-control. Right? This is the idea here, is that he's um, under the influence of the Spirit of God. If, if an elder, for instance, doesn't have self-control, and he just flies it off at the handle, I mean, you wouldn't want him as an elder. You wouldn't, be able, you wouldn't feel comfortable being able to go up to him with a problem. And so that's why there's one of the uh, um, things that an elder has to be. Then in verse 3, it says, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Now, you know you know what a bit in a horse is, right? In the front of the horse. And, you know, you often see that when you see someone who doesn't know how to ride a horse. It's kind of interesting because they're always up there and they're yanking like this, and the poor horse is going like, Whoa, what, what are you doing? Okay, like, you know. Because they don't know. They're usually pulling on both sides. Usually you just hold the horse and turn his head like this, right? It's very easy. But it's all governed from one little part in the mouth of the horse. And so he uses this as an illustration. And he says, Behold also the ships, which though they be great, and are driven of fierce winds, very strong winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm. Wherever the governor, or I guess the captain... Uh, desires. And I mean, we're talking about the rudder of the ship. And the rudder's not big, right? But I'll tell you, if you lose the rudder, you're, you're hooped. If you've got a boat and the rudder goes, you're just going to go wherever it's going to go. You'd often see that when you see someone in a rowboat. And even though it does have a little bit of a, of a kiln, a little bit at the back, but when they try and row, if they don't know what they're doing, they're, they're just going around in circles, aren't they? 
because it's so easily turned from side to side. And here he's saying that here's this little um, object, and yet it tur- no matter how big the ship is, it can turn a whole ship. But he's making, he's going to then take this and he's going to talk about the tongue here. And so um, he says in verse 5, Even so the tongue, it's a little member, and it boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body and is set on fire, the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. Um, I'm not sure, but has anybody been to seen a forest fire? Have you ever been to a forest fire? If you've ever been close to a forest fire, it's it's pretty amazing, and I like the descriptiveness of this. It is. Uh, it sounds like a freight train. It's unbelievable how loud it can be. It's it's just incredible. And we had you know, where we live. There's often forest fires every year. Well, pretty much every year there is. And a few years ago, though, they came down close to the uh, city and the the flames were able to uh, just from the ashes carried to start another fire see that's the problem as soon as it gets windy the ashes fly and they start new fires seven and a half miles to start another fire that's how far it flew and so when he's describing this idea he says the tongue is a fire a world of iniquity or injustice uh, so the tongue among our members that it defiles the whole body. I, you know, I've seen this before. I remember in Ireland, we first got there. and uh, Ireland, there's a lot of potty mouths in Ireland, you know. They have a real thing about cursing. And, I mean, there's something to me, when I see a 60-year-old woman and she's F this and F that, I'm just looking going, are you serious? <laughs> but this is very common over there. But I think this idea here that... Um, what comes out of your mouth can often be really corrupt. That's why it tells us, it warns us in other places as well. Don't let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth. But only that's what's good and godly. And we should think about these things. He goes on in verse 7, he says, For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind. But it says the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil, full of of deadly poison. It seems like we're getting the idea here that the tongue is actually not the best little thing, is it? It can often be used the wrong way. But you know, you know, you can use it for good as well. And um, I just let's look at a few verses here. I've just Proverbs speaks about it. Psalms speak about the tongue. I'm just going to give you a few isolated verses, but generally they're all in a negative tone. This idea of just being careful what you speak. And you know, we often, what's that song you sing? You've got two ears and you've got two eyes, but you only got one tongue, so or one mouth really. That's the idea, so try and not use it as much. Um, Proverbs 4, verse 24 says, Put away from you a deceitful mouth and devious or perverse lips put far from you. And uh, these are things we should strive for. Proverbs 10 says this, In the multitude of words there wants not sin, but he that refrains his lips is wise. Now like I say, you remember, think of the Lord Jesus, the example there. He didn't even open his mouth when everything probably within anyone else would scream for the injustice that was being brought to him, right? 
I mean, here he is, but he says, he op- as a sheep before his shears is dumb. And I'll tell you, if you've ever sheared a sheep, did I say that right? Yeah. If you've ever done that, you'll understand that actually sheep will, will not move when they're down there. They won't move. Um, I was pretty hopeless at shearing sheep. I had somebody do it for me generally, but I, you know, a few I had to do myself. And usually a good sheep shearer is about three and a half minutes per sheep. Well, me, it's around 35 minutes. So the sheep is like, dude, I'm dying. Like, get it over with, you know. But they just literally, they'll lay there. And you just, and they go, okay, flip it over. Okay, we're done, are we? Okay. Um, but the Lord never even opened his mouth. You know, he had, I mean, Pilate marveled at that, right? He says, you know, don't you know that I can set you free here? Like he's expecting. Everyone else would have, especially when given the circumstances and knowing that he was innocent. They all knew that, but he wouldn't. And so it tells us here, the tongue of the just, though, is as choice silver. So if you do do things that are right, um, so your tongue can be used. The heart of the wicked is, is of little worth. We read in the same thing. So you can use the tongue for building up as well. And we should. Proverbs 18 says this, He that has a, or 17 I think it is, He that has a, a, a crooked heart finds no good, and he that has a perverse or a deceitful tongue falls into mischief. It's the idea of a lying tongue. And sometimes we can do that very easily. I've had good friends, I'm, uh, you know, who is a really good guy, but I mean... Um, got me stuck in it at one point because I was driving truck and I got to this place where I was supposed to be. He says, like, you're late. I said, late? I'm like, how am I late? Oh, yeah, you had car trouble or you had truck trouble. And I said, "Uh, no, I'm here on time and and I didn't have truck trouble. He said, no, no, the boss there, he told me I had truck trouble. You know, well, it was probably easier easier for him just to say to the guy that, look, he was having truck trouble, he won't be there till then, rather than just saying, well, actually, you know, there's some other things that came up and he can't be there till then. We often will do things like that, and we've got to be really careful of that, lying lips. It says here, a fool's lips enter into contention and his mouth calls for blows. This is the idea, shooting off the mouth. I mean, you've all probably experienced that, where you have someone who just mouths off and everyone just wants to close that guy's mouth, you know, keep him from doing that. So we've got to be careful of that. All right, let's go back here to James. And so then he goes on from here. He says that no one can tame this, uh, no, but the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And now it's interesting that he sort of shifts here. And he says, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the likeness of God. I, you know, we've probably experienced that. Have you experienced that in your life? You have someone that says something good, and in the next minute they're doing something bad. I remember once I was at a breaking of bread service, and uh, you know, it was just an awesome time. This one brother prayed, and I just thought, wow, that was just unreal. It just brought me right to the throne of grace, you know. And it wasn't like the meeting was over, and about. Probably five minutes later, I think we, what happened is we were going to another meeting after that. Rather than staying there, we were going to another place. And so I said, yeah, no, we're, we're going. Well, that same guy that brought me up to glory just totally, well, basically freaked out on me. You know, got mad because we weren't staying there. I just, I remember looking at him and thinking, are you the same guy? Like, I couldn't believe it. It was really a shock to me. 
And sometimes we can be like that, right? You can hear us as Christians. I mean, it's supposed to, they know you by what? Your love. And yet we can have a fellow Christian that may be, let's say, for instance, he's a Calvinist. And before you know it, you're running the guy down because he's a Calvinist. He sees Scripture differently. Or, you know, he's a Pentecostal or whatever the case is. We've got to be very, very careful uh, and never forget that Christ died for them. And if they're your brothers, they're your brothers or sisters. And we need to treat them that way. And so here he goes, he says, um, you're blessing God with one side and then the other you're cursing men. I remember hearing a brother who was talking about doing a set of uh, some gospel meetings at, in this one place. And uh, the brother said, oh, well, you know, he said, just so you're aware, you know, brother so-and-so is actually not talking to other brother so-and-so over here. <laughs> and so the guy said, really? He said, can I borrow your keys? And the guy said, the keys? What? For what? Oh, for, just for the chapel there. Yeah, you can. Oh, okay, good. And he goes over and he locks the door. And he says, look, if you think God's going to move in here with you guys at fighting with one another, it's not going to happen. I said, we're not leaving here until you get this thing straightened out. And you can have that in a meeting. You can have someone who's got a problem with someone else and they don't get reconciled, yet they're in there breaking bread in the same room. There's something totally wrong with that. Right? This is why it always tells you before you bring your gift to the altar, be reconciled with your brother or your sister. And so we've got to be really careful of this. So he gives us in these last few verses... He says, he goes on to, uh, with this, he says, Does a fountain send forth at the same place place sweet water and bitter? Well, what's the answer to that? No, right? He goes on, Can the fig tree, my brothers, uh, bear olive berries, either if vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh water. It just, it doesn't work, does it? And yet, often, this is exactly what we think. We think somehow um, God is going to use us in a mighty way when we're having a problem with a brother or a sister and we haven't reconciled. We haven't even tried it. We don't want to reconcile it, which is even worse. And sometimes we justify why. You just don't know what that guy did. You don't know what she did. Well, Christ died for them, right? And often, like I say, I, I think that's what we do, is we start to reconcile these things in our own minds and feel justif- justified. Or, you know, we come to that person and, uh, you know, maybe finally, you know, let's say it's, I'll pick on Luke back there because I see him. So I see Luke and I have a problem with Luke, you know. Maybe he said something to me and just drove me nuts, right? So I usually I, I allow it to sort of, you know, be in me for a long period of time. Let's finally, I'm, I'm over it, or at least I think I am. And so I say to Luke, hey, you know what? I really had a problem with you, brother, about this. Hey, I'm sorry for that. And then Luke looks at me and he goes, well, you should be sorry. You know, and now I'm going, I'm not sorry at all. I'm ready to kill you right now, right? And, you know, we want conditional forgiveness, right? I'll forgive you providing you forgive me. That's not how it works. Forgiveness means, you know, if Luke tells me to take a jump, that's okay. Because if I'm really truly right, I've done something wrong and I'm trying to make it right. But often, like I say, what you see with people is, is the other. I, you know, I'll say I'm sorry as long as you're going to say you're sorry, okay? That's what we do. We, we may not say it that way, but that's actually what we're expecting. You know, we, we, that guy did something and I, you know, hey, I'm sorry for what I said there. 
Come on. Because <laughs> what I'm expecting is, you're sorry too? Oh, okay, now we're okay. But, you know, it shouldn't be that way. And I think this is the idea here, is that does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet, sweet water and bitter? It really doesn't. And so if we want to have the blessing of the Lord in our lives, within this little portion here, you know, he talks about being perfect or being mature. That's the idea. Well, a mature man allows, you know, does bridle the tongue. He is able to allow um, the Lord to speak to him before he speaks, maybe. And allow the Lord to work in his heart beforehand. And um, I think we're just going to close in a word of prayer. But I want us to think about this just in a practical sense. Um, maybe there's some things in my own life. I know there is in mine, but maybe in yours too. Where you can work on this, this concept. And probably just even the last point that we're looking at. This idea of our fellow brother or sister that we don't expect more from them than we should. And often that's the case. You know, we get offended very easily. But we shouldn't. We should just surrender it to the Lord. Lord, we do thank You so much for Your goodness, for Your love to us. And uh, Lord, um, just want to pray for all of us here that um, we would have hearts that would be Desiring to know more of you, we would have uh, hearts that would allow you to control our mouths, to be used by you, to building up of the body of Christ, to glorifying you, and so we commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen.